where Dave and I plan this year's company holidays. Let's go through the list. Easter, too religious. St. Patrick's Day? Too white. Mother's Day? Way too cisgendered. All of your usual holidays have been canceled this year. But we still have Karl Marx's birthday! <laughs> Need a real reason to party? Find a new job at redballoon.work. Happy New Year, everybody. As the candidate of 2022 drew to a close, the candidate of 2023 had a villainous look in its eyes, turned back to the candidate of 2022, and said, you ain't seen nothing yet. 2023 is off to quite a start, and our weekend review will help us begin the journey in 2023, full-bodied tinfoil suit of armor and all. The Liberal government, the ones who said that the budget will balance itself, the same ones who printed money out of thin air over the last three years, has announced five different tax increases planned for 2023. And just like real life, the spoiled, entitled children require actually responsible people to foot the bill for their silly and needless spending. Finally, the Hamilton Spectator writes a hit piece of cultural Marxist drivel, saying that the freedom movement only speaks against drag story hour and vaccine mandates as a cover for their white supremacist, sexist, misogynist, and transphobic alt-right agenda. And they mention us at Liberty Coalition Canada by name, challenge accepted. It is January 3rd, 2023. I'm Andrew DiBartolo. That is Matt Halleck, and this is the Liberty Dispatch. Hey there, ladies and gentlemen, and happy new year. It is really good to be joined by you in this new year, 2023. And wherever you're getting us from, we would ask you, our dear listeners, to like, subscribe, rate, and review, and also comment on those episodes as well because it helps get a conversation going. It helps get the algorithms pumping and pushing more people toward our content. So we would really appreciate if you would do that for us. Also, we are on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. That's flfnetwork.com. Us and a myriad of different wonderful podcasts are on that spectacular podcasting network. So you're definitely going to want to go over to flfnetwork.com to check that out. We also are on a nifty FLF app, which you can get all our content directly on demand on your phone if you download the app from your Google Play or your Apple app store so we would suggest that you would go and do that also be sure to go over to our website for all things liberty coalition canada that website is libertycoalitioncanada.com that's libertycoalitioncanada.com at the bottom of the page you can sign up to get updates uh, by staying in touch with us and also at the top of the page you can hit that donate button and if you do that we would really really appreciate um, you helping support the programs over here all that we're doing are various initiatives in legal advocacy advocacy as well because 
We're trying to continue to grow and expand, and we have some really new, cool things coming down the pike. Also, want to make sure that you know, if you go over to our website, leave a donation, or scan the QR code right at the bottom of the screen, if you click on the news and analysis aspect of our programming, you can get a charitable tax receipt for your donation. So we would suggest that you go do that, and we would really appreciate all your support. We know that so many of you have already supported us in this season of giving, um, and we're so thankful for that. And finally, if you want to reach out to us directly, as so many have you, uh, of you have done, um, we're so thankful for it. Reach out to us at info at libertycoalitioncanada.com, info at libertycoalitioncanada.com to reach out to us for any comments and questions and concerns. So go over there. Yeah, I'll say quickly too. Um, why don't we uh, we invite our our audience this episode to email us? Uh, at info at libertycoalitioncanada.com and make sure you put in the email somewhere in the subject or somewhere in the body of the email mailbag question or mailbag statement. And uh, why don't you tell us what are you most looking forward to for this upcoming year? Mm -hmm. So coming out of 2022, why don't you share with us what what are you most looking forward to this upcoming year? What are you excited about? What are you anticipating? Or what share are your greatest concerns? Right. What are you... What are you worried about and how can how, what can we what can we do to help you assuage some of those concerns or define assuage if you don't know what that means? I know <laughs> to, it's, it's, an, it's, it's a word that isn't thrown around very often, but I'm excited for the new year. Matt, you you're not wearing a hat. So this is new. Yes. This is yeah. New yeah. You see yeah. your hair. Yeah. You, there have a, you, you have a new you have a new marquee <laughs> behind you as well. Yes. That you can hardly see. Um, you can hardly but... see it, but that's okay. It took <laughs> Liberty Dispatch Galatians 5-1. That's what it says there. I, uh, I have a new haircut. I have a new. This is a nice black shirt from my in-laws. Look at us. They We're said just they want me to styling, look profiling. I trimmed the beard too. We're ready that's, to go. Dude, we're it's new year, new us, right? That's right. That's what it is all about. Um But you know what's not new, Matt? What's <laughs> not new is our audience who is sick and tired yes. of having leftism ram down their throat everywhere they turn. That and being utterly frustrated true. by businesses that they support that ultimately give their money to leftist causes. Let me ask you a question. And I've asked this already. And maybe you haven't answered it, or maybe you haven't done anything about it. But why are you buying coffee from companies that hate you and your freedoms? What you need to do is you need to go over and to support our friends over at Resistance Coffee Company. They are here for you. Now you can enjoy the wonderful taste of fresh roasted coffee with the knowledge that your money isn't funding the leftist causes you despise. Resistance Coffee roasts specialty grade coffee, beans, which means you're getting high-end coffee roasted fresh for you. Today, I'm having some of the tree hugger roast because you don't have to be a radical green Nazi to believe that we need to steward the environment and care for creation well. So head over to Resistance Coffee, be done with stale grocery store coffee, support Canadian freedoms, go to resistancecoffee.com slash LCC, and make sure you use that slash LCC, you will get 10% off of your first purchase. And even after the first purchase, make sure you continue to use that slash LCC so that they know that we sent you resistancecoffee.com slash LCC. 
Well, Andrew, we took a 10 days off, a week off. We took some time off at the end of the year. Um, uh, what could possibly happen in the end of the year? <laughs> yes. Yeah, sure exactly. You take a break and enjoy Christmas and New Year's, right? Uh, you'd be wrong, though. So Correct. as we are wont to do, when we take some time off, be it two days or 10 days, we want to recap what has taken place in the time that we were away. So let's queue up the segment Weekend Review. All right, Andrew, first story of 2023 that we want to tackle is, and this is going to, just so everybody knows, this is going to be rapid fire. I'm going to set you up here, Andrew, and you're just going to go on on these stories here. Um, Maybe I'll say something at the end, but I just want to set you up, tee you up. You just jump into it, give a comment, and we'll breeze through these stories because we have a lot to cover on today's show. So first story Canada requires a negative COVID test for travels travelers coming from China. So here we are again, Andrew. Our government has placed travel restrictions on China, um, and they're requiring negative COVID tests because of apparently an explosion of COVID over in China. Now, if, if this was only the federal liberal government and their NDP lackeys who hang on to their ankles to make sure that they can get the money for their stuff as long as they prostitute out their vote for the Liberal Party. Uh, Fine. I understand. They have been pushing unscientific, illogical, unreasonable mandates really for almost three years now. So that doesn't surprise me, although it's ridiculous because we know the tests don't work. We know the PCR tests are complete bunk. We know that the antigen tests can go either way. We know that the jabs don't stop transmission and they don't stop infection. So fine. They're all about that. But what I want to say about this is Pierre Polyevre was interviewed and asked about this and his response was, well, the conservatives are looking into it and you know, yeah, we, we, we think if this is the best course of action that we would support it as well. So the guy who's supposed to be the bastion for freedom and, and not having our privacy and our rights infringed upon, has no problem pushing something or supporting something that lines up with an unscientific, lawless mandate. Doesn't he know the tests don't work? Doesn't he know that using the tests as a way to impinge on freedom of travel is is tyrannical? So it just, this story for me, the most concerning thing is not the liberals and NDP supporting this. That's whatever, that's par for the course. It's the fact that the man who's supposed to represent the freedoms and the the bastion of the, the savior for Canadian politics in the Conservative Party is right along with them in terms of supporting this ridiculous thing. So uh, there, there are really only a few politicians out there and, and maybe one or two parties provincially and federally that would look at this and say this is nonsense. But the big three and then the Greens who trail along, clearly they don't care about freedoms and clearly they don't care about science either. Because how else could you support this? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, maybe it's not a bad thing to restrict travel from China. 
I don't know how bad the the disease in, is in China. Like the numbers don't really tell the story anymore, given the fact that um, there's not very much of a correlation between severe outcomes of COVID and the number of infections. In fact, in Canada, despite the belly aching of a lot of uh, various doctors and leftist activists about the fact that there's more people with COVID this year than even last uh, in hospitals, the fact that remains is it's all incidental COVID. COVID um, tests because they're being tested when they go to the hospital if they have s- s- symptoms. And sure enough, they have COVID. It's a minor cold at this point and nothing more comes from it. They're not going to the ICU. They're not dying. But it does give them the predicate to create this mass hysteria. And what we're seeing over and over and over again is Weirdly enough, um, they're just going back to all these plays that didn't work the first time, but they won't give it up. And it should be concerning um, because it just shows that these these restrictions, these mandates, they're just always in the back pocket of our government now. It's been set as a norm and our government will reflectively use them as it sees fit. And I think that's something that people have to wake up to and be worried about as well. Um, But it is interesting. We definitely lag behind as Canadians to stop. Most countries actually stop travel from China, but Canada hasn't done that. They've just gone to this testing policy, but it's interesting to see that, for some reason, our our feds are more willing to put restrictions on their own citizens than Chinese nationals. Um, I'm not sure what that's all about, but it seems or, to or be illegal or or legal immigrants. <laughs> yes, well, it, it, so it seems Come to right be a in. pattern. Yeah, Come right absolutely. In. Okay, Andrew, story number two: the PHAC wants to monitor and collect data about vaccine hesitancy in online speech. Ooh, that sounds Orwellian. Unpack it for us. So we have two links here. One is to a story broken by the Epic Times, and the other one is right to an actual government website, so you know it's legit. Basically, they're working with a firm, an investigative firm, kind of an online media investigative firm, and what they're planning on doing is they're planning on kind of combing through various social media outlets, Twitter, and Reddit are the two that they name, and they say others could be Facebook. We don't know. But what they're going to do is they're going to look over the last three years worth of interaction with anything that has to do with vaccines and quote unquote vaccine hesitancy. Now, they'll tell you the reason why is they want to observe the speech, they want to see what people are saying so that they can help overcome vaccine hesitancy with the right messaging and offering the right information for some of these crazy conspiracy theories that sh- which are actually just truth. So that's what they tell you. Uh, I mean, what's concerning is the fact that they're going to be specifically targeting and you're going to see patterns. Oh, this person seems to have a particular pattern of vaccine hesitancy. And obviously, they're not going to let that go. They froze the bank accounts for people who supported the trucker convoy. So it's it's fully within the realm of possibility that they will take this information and use it negatively. My thoughts on this are don't stop posting this stuff. So you might see this story. I met, when I when I first came across this, my first thought was, ooh, maybe maybe you should go back and comb through your social media, remove some of these posts. Maybe you should stop. And then I realized that's exactly what they want. 
that's a stupid idea. Keep doing more of it. Keep doing more of shining a big bright light on the corruption, on the unscientific nature of this, of the trillions of dollars that have exchanged hands, of the hearts that are being damaged, of the ovaries that are being damaged, of the blood clots that are happening. Keep posting everything you can and you want to on how they don't work, on how they're doing more damage, on how they've been rolled out in unscientific and lawless ways. And don't let them force you to self-silence because that's what they want. Don't give them that. At this point, everything you post on social media, like everything you post on Facebook, even if you go and delete it all, it's all saved permanently on their servers. And a part of the fine print is everything you post on their platform, they retain ownership of. So really, it's there anyways. So you can't actually hide it. So you might as well do everything you can to expose and to not self-silence and to hopefully, maybe, be able to convince some people the truth of what's going on. Uh, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Keep saying keep saying everything about these vaccines and how they're not vaccines and uh, let them come after you. <laughs> well, and it's as we've said many a time on the program, it just seems like uh, yesterday's uh, conspiracy theory is today's unrefutable fact, right? Well, what's um, the quote? The quote is, uh, what's the difference between a conspiracy theory and the truth? Just, about six to eight, about yeah. six to eight months. Yeah, exactly. If if I I feel like that time frame is getting it's drunk. shrinking. It, it's yeah. shrinking. All, all it's the like time. tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. tomorrow we'll find out exactly the opposite. Yeah, no, I think uh, it is concerning. This is concerning that our federal government is tracking this this sort of speech, um, especially given the fact that there's bills that are before our parliament that are expressly set out to limit and um, truncate uh, free speech on online platforms. So yeah, like you said, this is a thin end of the wedge. They're saying it's to monitor and then, you know, massage their messaging to these people, um, which is targeting them uh, for government propaganda. Nevertheless, that's what they want to do now. But how long before they actually use that as a way to suppress that content and to to target those individuals who are putting forth messages that they don't find acceptable. So the feds will then turn into the YouTube censors. <laughs> and that is very, 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 very dangerous. Um, but it seems to be the trajectory that we're, we're steadily going on uh, as a nation. Third story, Andrew. Apparently, police shootings in Canada in 2022 were up from the previous year. And I don't think that should come as a surprise to anybody, given the fact that it's coming off the heels of the Black Lives Matter movements, um, the really mainstreaming of... Uh, the 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 moniker a a cab uh, which I won't uh, unpack for people, um, but sentiments towards police officers are at an all time low in our society, and they've been fueled by leftist social justice warriors. So we shouldn't be surprised that these events are um, occurring with greater frequency. But maybe give your thoughts on that story. So the story comes from the post-millennial, and basically police shootings are up 25% in 2022 from 2021. Now, obviously, we can extract from this some information, and then we can make both conclusions. 
but also we can ask why. Why are police shootings up? Now, police shootings are not up because police officers are more trigger happy. That's I think that's that, that would be a silly thing to say, except for when they're being used as goons in front of Parliament Hill in Ottawa. But even then, they're not trigger happy. Then they're baton happy and tear gas happy and horse trampling happy, but not not shooting happy. So that, that that's not what we're talking about here. I think that it's fully reasonable to say that if you ruin people's businesses, you jack up their fear, their anxiety, their stress, and their worry. You make things way more expensive by increase of taxes, which we're going to look at later on in the show. Things are more expensive. People are more scared. You you gin up this fear. You create this culture and this environment. You increase poverty. What What will happen is people will naturally get more violent. And desperate people and people who are already prone to breaking laws and committing crimes will do that all the more, right? So these people who might avail themselves of various services for help will find that those services are not as readily available because cost has gone up and the economy has been dealt a rather large blow. And after a year and two years of destroying businesses and crushing people's lives and and making this more difficult, yes, you would expect to see people responding in greater violence and in greater desperation. And so you're going to see a higher amount of violent crime and therefore, you'll see a higher amount of police officers who have to either defend themselves or defend innocent civilians or deal with people perpetrating these violent crimes. And so I, I think that this problem, and it is a problem, it's always a problem, even if these are justified shootings, it's still a problem that a police officer has to take someone's life with their firearm in the course of their duty and their service. So that's not a good thing that that has to happen. But this problem in many ways is a self-made problem. And by self-made, I mean because of the decisions that our unelected health bureaucrats and elected officials have made, it has put this pressure and grief upon the Canadian public. And so it's very sad that we would we would see this being the case, though I'm not totally surprised that you would see these things. It's also obviously going to be something that the government will use to justify their gun banning and their gun freezing which is ironic, one, because the people committing these crimes are probably not responsible gun owners. And so you see, so think about this picture. You see an increase in violent crime, an increase in desperate lawbreakers doing evil things, breaking the law. And then you're pulling away from Canadians more and more a tool that they might use to be able to defend themselves from being the victims of said crime. So we've created a problem. And now by creating the problem and taking away people's ability to defend themselves in a particular way, we may be creating an even greater problem very soon. But if there's one thing our federal government is really good at, it's really good at making a big flaming hot mess of everything and then trying to mop up the mess with a mop that's already covered in the same hot mess. Yeah, and I think just as I was saying, like the tensions between ordinary citizens and police have been ratcheted up with BLM, with all these various leftist movements, which has really called into question the motives of the police, um, which has really, you know, forward them as a systemically racist institution that is not out for the protection of citizens, generally speaking, but is out there for for their harm. Um, you know, we have li- literally posters across Winnipeg that that 
have the ACAB slogan on them that basically um, say, you know, no pigs on stolen territory. You're seeing this sort of sentiment grow and grow and grow and grow um, in Canada. And it's metastasizing to a point where it's dangerous because um, these people who have these sentiments um, or who are maybe on the margins of the law to begin with will just use that as justification to ramp up their violence, to ramp up their lawlessness. Um, And that's the very, that's, you know, though we understand that there is corruption in all human institutions uh, and we need to, so long as that exists, find it and weed it out um, for the sake of justice. But, that doesn't mean these institutions are necessarily systemically evil or terrible, right? As far as their structure is concerned, they might not be bad, as long, even though their direction sometimes might be perverted. And that's something that we have to understand. We have to think better than, you know, the rhetoric that's being foisted in our media and through our opportunistic politicians. But the, the entire climate surrounding this stuff, surrounding what's going on in Canada, has only led to throwing more fuel on the fire. Fire, And as you said, Andrew, guess what? Canadians today are less able to protect themselves from somebody who would be violent towards them than they were yesterday at the same time that um, cr- violent crime is escalating in Canada, which is requiring obviously police intervention in the most extreme way. So, well, not not all not all Canadians, because I did take advantage of a Christmas sale <laughs> at a store recently to get a new uh, new scope and laser for a tool of mine. So this Canadian is not less able <laughs> to do so, but for well, many that is the case. Yes, sadly. Last story, Andrew. Crazy story, actually. Um, a lawyer for the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedom, the JCCF, has been charged with obstruction of justice and was thrown in jail over the holidays, um, thanks to a warrant, actually, believe it or not, from the Winnipeg Police Department. So. More shame on my hometown. Andrew, can you unpack the story for us? So I think we covered this a while ago, but uh, Carpe, a lawyer with the JCCF, was uh, representing in a, in a particular case, and it was a, a a judge in Manitoba. And what he did was he hired a private investigator to follow the judge and to record the judge's actions to see if the judge himself was abiding by all of the COVID restrictions. So part of the issue, the JCCF was defending someone who was being charged for violating the COVID mandates and the public health mandates. Um, I can't remember exactly what, what the deal was, but this person was violating the mandates. And so this lawyer said, well, I'll hire a private investigator to follow the judge so that if the judge decides to rule against my client, I can say, well, your honor, you yourself are not abiding by the same rules. So, so the truth is that is a little bit, that's a little bit dirty. I'm, I, I'm not, I mean, at the end of the no day, bueno. even if the no judge, bueno. even if the judge <laughs> isn't playing by the rules, yeah, which he probably wasn't, which no one, everyone, everyone had a point at which they said, I'm only going to obey the laws well, so much or obey so, the rules so much. So people have to understand, um, 
in Manitoba, there was a carve out for government officials for the restrictions that they didn't actually apply to government officials. Um, but then there was all sorts of circumstances that came out that that government officials weren't abiding by their own mandates, that they were having uh, parties on the roof without ma- everything, masks yeah. and everything. That they, the they were going their their own. They were closing gyms across the, the, the city, but their own personal gym for the elected officials and, uh, you know, the various health bureaucrats that was open to government officials. So they, it was all within that context that right. this was undertaken. So it's, it's, it's still a a, not a good move, though. Well, it's a little bit of whataboutism. Yes. Right. Like the, at the end of the day, defend your client based on the merits of the case. Yes. Question, question the mandates themselves and their constitutional validity. Mm-hmm. Right. Deal with the charter. Deal with the Bill of Rights if you need to, and defend your client accordingly. But this kind of well, you broke the rules, so the rules don't apply to him. First of all, that's not going to change anything mm-hmm. because newsflash: a lot of people who occupy the highest positions of power in our country are flaming hypocrites yeah. so it doesn't they matter don't care they'll, they'll willingly tell you right i break the rules it's, when i want to so that's a feature, not, not a bug yeah yeah so so i i think that um now the degree to which we can see legalities for obstruction of justice we'll see how this plays out because whether there in fact is grounds for being imprisoned and actually being found guilty of obstruction of justice by hiring the private investor that I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. Maybe we should, um, maybe we should reach out to one of our friends soon and have them on the show to talk about the legality of it. So that's a separate issue from the fact that, I mean, what he did. Yeah, not good. Um, and the reality is if they can make the case that he was in fact obstructing justice by kind of seems like a little bit of a precursor to blackmail slash, what about ism for the judge? If indeed it is against the law, then this lawyer does deserve to pay the crime. He does deserve to pay for his crimes um, if that's what he did. And now, I mean, we here will be the first, like we're not going to just defend our people for no reason. If he did something illegal and if it can be shown that, yes, the process of justice was perverted, even if we don't necessarily agree with the particular decision that was done, then yeah, he needs to he needs to pay for his crimes. But it's it's just a sad situation again that the JCCF has done so much good work. Friends of mine's are current friends of mine pastors are currently being represented by the JCCF in our country. And it's just a shame that this has gone the way that it has, that this will be a little bit of a blot and a stain upon the JCCF, regardless of how this plays out. It, it, wish it could have been different oh certainly um now it was interesting how it was handled that um this warranty was was from 17 months prior to its execution um and it was done in the holiday weekend here so maybe a little bit cynical maybe a little bit crass in its execution but you're right uh, we can't fall into these patterns of you know, um, the friend of my enemy is my friend type of thinking, or, hey, they don't play by the rules, therefore we shouldn't play by the rules, which isn't really the enemy, active. The, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. 
That's what I meant. The enemy yeah, the friend of my enemy. The friend is... of my enemy is my enemy. Yes, yes. Listen, here's the point. <laughs> they're all they're like all my enemies. So like ninety-nine percent of them are my enemies. Well, so so yeah. this this is we can't be reactionaries, right? right. We are we need to be principled christian conservatives who are behaving properly within the bounds of of god's law and and blackmail this sort of like dirty kind of politics that's beneath um where i think we need to be um though it might have been trying to prove a point that we would all you know say okay that makes sense and obviously it's happened time and time again but we just again there's so many people, um, even when it comes to the left, right, you know, the left, whenever they get in power, they're just so aggressive to push their entire ideology, their entire worldview into every area of civic life. We've seen that over the last 15 years with Trudeau and his government and how they've totally remade Canada. Um, and you know, conservatives are generally feckless in in their um, because they're not true true conservatives. They don't have a real vision. Um, so therefore, there's a lot of people who are more conservative who say we when we get into power, if we get into power, we have to do the exact same things. We have to wield our power in the exact same abusive fashion that the left does, and that is a no. That's a non-starter. That's absolutely not the case. It's not tit for tat. We need to be principled in what we're doing. And uh, I, I, it worries me that even some of the talk about like Christian nationalism and, and you know, well, it's okay to be totalitarian in our government because the left has done that so long as it's for the sake of Christ. Well, but no, it, not if it violates biblical principles that, need to undergird our view of government. So again, we can't be reactionaries. We have to be thoughtful in the way that we're pushing back and that we're fighting these culture wars. So that's what I would like to call for is just, you know, some cooler heads to prevail and for us to, you know, yeah, to really, really think about the way that we're acting. Um, Because this is, this is the same sort of, thing that does lead to reproach falling on a good organization who has done some amazing things and they've been a defender of people's freedoms and their rights. And it just gives, again, just like January 6th in its imbecility gave the left everything they wanted as far as the narrative that they needed to further push their agenda. This sort of behavior just gives them ammunition in their ideological gun. And we can't do it. We have to be above reproach in these sort of things because that's how our testimony will be more sure. And even if it's not fruitful and not successful, we stand before an audience of one at the end of the day. And God is sovereignly in control of all that comes to pass. And Maybe we're just doing this, Andrew, not for the sake of changing Canada, but as a testimony against Canada for its judgment, right? So those are just some words of caution um, as we wrap up our week in review, the first of 2023. So we need to tell you about our friends over at Bull Bitcoin. Bull Bitcoin Canada's most trusted Bitcoin exchange since 2013 is a 100% self-funded company led and operated by incorruptible activists for individual liberties and freedom. At Bull Bitcoin, security and privacy are priority. 
customers' funds are transferred directly to their Bitcoin wallet in their own possession. With Bull Bitcoin, you never run the risk of losing your money. You own the money. Sign up at mission.bullbitcoin.com slash LCC and get started with your account's creation today. Contact Bull's best in the business customer support team at any point to request assistance throughout the process. Take control of your money. Mission.bullbitcoin.com slash LCC. So the first story that we want to dig into in a little more detail is that our fiscally responsible, economically <laughs> savvy. Oh wait, sorry. I thought we were. I thought we were in opposite. We were playing opposites. Oh, we're not. Oh, we're dealing in reality. Okay. So our federal liberal liberal government plans five different tax increases in 2023. So tax increases in five different areas. And so we've included uh, not just an article about this, but we've included the plans from uh, taxpayer.com as they really, really go through it and the actual report itself of, <laughs> of, of what's going on. So we're giving you all the receipts. You can see what's going on. And so we want to look at these five areas and then we're going to give comment. So the first one is the Canada Pension Plan. So workers making $66,600 or more will pay an extra $255 through the CPP tax in 2023. Their employers will also pay an extra $255. Then we have EI, Employment Insurance Tax. Workers making $61,500 or more will pay an extra $50 through the EI tax in 2023. Their employers will pay an extra $70. Now, combining these two together, EI and CPP in total, payroll taxes will cost a middle-class worker $4,756 in 2023. Their employer will also be forced to pay $5,157. The federal government is raising the basic personal amount for income taxes. Yay. However, due to payroll tax hikes, anyone making $40,000 or more in 2023 will pay higher federal income-based taxes than they did in 2022. Now, before we look at the last three and really give kind of concluding comments on the whole idea of the liberal federal government jacking up the taxes. Uh, Matt, you have some thoughts on CPP and EI in general Mm -hmm. and talking about these employment kind of income taxes and what's really going on here, how how we should understand these from more of a Christian, logical, reasonable worldview. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I mean, they're so ingrained in our society. They've been so normalized that sometimes it's hard to get out of your own personal context in order to like view what's going on. To just like our socialized healthcare to, system. Absolutely. Same you thing. Know, it's like, oh, it's just great because it's all we've known. Yes, exactly. Uh, so that's what I want to do here. I want to step out and just analyze the EI and the C- CPP. The, I mean, CCP, it might as well be um, <laughs> the, the, the CPP Hello. just just from, uh, you know, a Christian perspective, because I think it will 
maybe get our listeners to think about uh, these economic issues more broadly. So the insurance income or employment insurance, uh, you know, it's, it's there as a supposed safety net for you if you happen to lose your job. So Despite its flowery, flower, flowery language, despite all of that, um, what these sort of government-made appropriations do is essentially they subsidize unemployment, right? They they reduce the pain that it it's felt on people who lose their jobs by giving them the support. So essentially, what they do is. They reduce the, um, you know, opportunity cost of being unemployed. So basic economic principle is you get more of what you subsidize. So EI subsidizes unemployment. So these programs, despite what they're saying, end up subsidizing the very thing that they're trying to prevent. So they're ill thought out in that uh, sense. And it obviously, um, sadly, is redistributed, redistributory in the sense that it's taking money from productive employed people to fund and subsidize unproductive unemployed people in our society. Um, And while this is said, this is just done temporary as a safety net. We know that all the time this system gets taken advantage of and that people go on it all the time so then they don't have to work. Um, So again, it's overall making our entire society far less wealthy and prosperous when you're taking good labor and you're, you're funding bad labor through these redistributory taxation schemes. And then as it, I mean, there's so much to be said, I will link descriptions in the show notes so you guys can just digest what I'm trying to say when it, uh, applies to the CPP. But essentially, essentially, government pension plans are pyramid schemes, also known as Ponzi schemes. And that the, the sad reality is that is what they are and you can't get around it. So we all know that Ponzi schemes or pyramid schemes are illegal. They're, they're fraudulent um, and they really rely on basically the first ones who come into the plan to to get much larger returns than those who come later in the schemes. And um, essentially because in these schemes, no goods are actually uh, changing hands. They're just, you know, reliant on getting more people to buy into the system. They, they are, you know, super highly speculative. Um, they rely on more and more people buying into these programs to prop up these, you know, these false returns, these false narratives. Um, it's, you know, uh, Gary North has a great explanation when he's talking about a pon- Ponzi scheme. It's fraud by which early investors are paid above market returns out of funds provided by later investment investors. So essentially, you know, if you're looking at the context, the early investors in this scheme, some only provided 
you know, $22 to $50 into the scheme, but they were being paid out $50,000, right? You know, thousand times what they were paying in, they were being supported by. And we know that these social security, these pension plans all across the world are becoming insolvent. Why? Because the more the, the people who paid into them are now taking out the payments because the baby boomers are now getting into these programs. And there's less and less people actually getting into the programs because the birth rates falling off, um, you know, uh, populations declining, all these sorts of things. So they're becoming insolvent. Um, just like every Ponzi scheme does, you end up running out of the suckers that you can get into the scheme and then the scheme ends up falling apart and becoming totally unworkable and totally insolvent. And that's essentially what we have happening with the CPP. Um, so apparently yeah, I'll never see it. I'll never see it. No, there's the there's a on that age, there's going to be nothing there's left a, for me. There's a huge likelihood that 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 all these programs, which were utopian and idiotic, a lot of them were knee jerk and reactionary based on the Great Depression. Right? Like the CPP or the Social Security was put in place during the second half of the the Green New or the not the Green New Deal, the New Deal by Franklin Delano Roosevelt in the states. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think relatively the same timing in Canada. Um, these, these, this is leprechaun uh, economics. This is a total Ponzi scheme. Uh, and the great part about apparently this government Ponzi scheme is they can force people uh, by law to participate in it. So Bernie Madoff can't do that. He actually has to sell a bill of goods. He has to sell the snake oil, but our government can just force people to buy it. Um, and force people to yeah. partake in it. So I just think, you know, the whole thing stinks. It's whole, it's wholly corrupt. And um, it's, th these programs are, you know, going to be totally insolvent. But again, it just shows you the, the total irresponsible na nature of our federal government in, you know, not only are they unwilling to call a spade a spade and speak the truth about these programs, but they're trying to encourage more money being put into these Ponzi schemes. And it's it's going to be disastrous. And I think, Andrew, it's totally unbiblical in the sense that whose responsibility is it to save? It's a parent's responsibility to leave an inheritance and a legacy for their children, not the other way around. These sorts of Ponzi schemes leave the burden on the younger generations to pay for, you know, a false sense of security, a false you know, living standard for the older generations. And this, the, the, the thing is, this is really regressive, right? Because we understand that the, the older you are, it typically corresponds with how wealthy you are because it, there's a direct uh, correlation between the amount of time in the labor sphere and the amount of money that you have and the amount of savings that you've been able to accumulate and then the amount of investments you've been able to make. So now we have people who can't afford to pay for these programs paying more for the people who to live high off the hog of these programs and that's always what ponzi schemes are the people who understands that this is a scheme can get the benefit from it on the front end and then get out of it before it collapses they're always you know live high off the hog well the people who are left holding the bag at the bottom of the scheme are the ones who are 
you know, left destitute. And that's what our government's essentially doing in the CPP. I could say so much more, but I won't for the sake of time. We'll link some descriptions to articles so you could read more about it. But I think it's important to have these conversations because it'll get us thinking, hey, is are these things, maybe I benefit from it. Maybe I'm a pensioner, but is that a good thing? These are the conversations I want to have on the program. Yeah, ultimately it would only be good if they were able to secure your own private account that you pay into for your CPP that you collect. Then it would basically be like an RSP, right? Yes. If the government says, listen, we want to help you. So we want to offer you our Canadian pension plan where a certain amount from each of your paychecks goes into your devoted account that we will set aside for you that can build interest. And then when you retire, we'll pay it off. That would mm -hmm. be different. But the big pool that it goes into and then people take from, you're right, it's some and, people and, make more than others, and so why would it and, be fair yes, that someone who earns more or someone who earns less when they retire would receive the same pension amount as someone who earns more? It's all yeah. it's it's all very socialistic. Yeah, it's and, it's uh, it's it redistribute redistributive. Yeah. It's it's terrible, and yeah, like you said, it doesn't have to be a Ponzi scheme, right? As if those contributions are directly related to the amount of money put into the programs by each individual plus whatever interest they make over then time, then yeah. it's not a Ponzi scheme, but the, 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 because you're selling right time interest. That's the, that's the good. That's essentially uh, changing hands. You're, you're, you're selling money today for, for savings or for interest tomorrow. That's kind of essentially what's happening, but it's not directly correlated in that way. So it ends up becoming a Ponzi yep. scheme. And I know that's strong language, but that's the fact of the matter. If you look objectively of what's happening, that is the case, whether you like it or not. And it's going to fail. <laughs> Ponzi schemes always fail. And maybe that's the reason our government's trying to kill off all the olds. <laughs> because they know that this, these well, sorts of programs they openly admitted the are... amount of money that the healthcare system will save by pushing doctor-assisted murder. Extend they, that we, to we, EI we and uh, yep. CPP, all those things. Exactly. It's so disgusting. Those are, those are the first two taxes. We have three more, and two of them are related, and one is silly like the rest of them. So the first one is everyone's favorite um, Enviro-Nazi tax, which is the carbon tax. So the federal carbon tax is increasing to 14 cents per liter of gas beginning April 1st, 2023. The carbon tax will cost the average household between 402 and $847 in 2023, even after the rebates, according to the parliamentary budget officer. The fourth tax is a second carbon tax. Yay. Well, I mean, why just have one? So the federal government is imposing a second carbon tax through fuel regulations on July 1st of 2023. The second carbon tax will increase the price of gas up to 13 cents per liter by 2030. There are no rebates for the second carbon tax. I'll say quickly here, we covered this in a previous show, that the plan for the federal government by the time we hit the year 2030, for every liter of gas you purchase, 70, 70 cents will be tax alone. So that's not the cost of the gas. So that, that's just the tax. In seven years, the plan for our federal government is that whatever you pay for in tax, 70 cents per liter will be just tax. Which means we're, I mean, we're going to be close to two, two fifty, maybe three dollars a liter 
by the time we get there. Those are number three, number four, and here's the fourth tax, an alcohol escalator tax. Alcohol taxes will increase by 6.3% on April 1st, 2023. Taxes already account for about half of the price of beer, 65% of the price of wine, and more than three quarters of the price of spirits. I have two quick things here to say, and then I'm going to throw it to you, Matt. The first one is this. In the scriptures, when the Israelites ask for a king to be like the rest of the nations, God says, fine, I'll give you a king. But he might he might be so evil and corrupt is to tax you 10%. He might ask for 10% of what you make to fund his kingly campaign or whatever. And that would that would that that was that was extreme, even 10%. And so we can conclude that whatever evil or corruption there would have existed in the Old Testament monarchy for the king who requires 10%, our elected officials are exponentially more corrupt and evil because they they want more than 10%. They tax upon tax upon alcohol upon gas. You buy a car, you pay tax. In Ontario, mm-hmm. if you buy a car, you pay tax. Yeah. And then if you sell the car to someone, they pay tax. But every time, if the same vehicle is sold five times, tax is paid every single time on the mm-hmm. purchase for a vehicle that initially... So number one, evil and corrupt by this overtaxing. The second mm-hmm. thing is this. Just let me have more of my money to do with it what I want to be excellent with it. Don't worry. I will, I will budget... I will account for. But you're an idiot, Andrew. You need the federal government to manage you to wipe up after you. This is connected to the second point: is they want to be dad and they want to be God. Yeah. But they make a crummy dad God, and people do a better job. So even the whole idea of social assistance, we would say let the church and let Christians take care of that. To which the world replies, "Charity." Right. And the world says, "What are you talking about?" To which I reply, "You can look at every tax stat, every charity, every charity stat you want to." The, the majority of charitable giving to organizations comes from Christians, and Christians are by and large much more generous with charitable giving and much more willing to help out those who are in need than anyone else. So yeah, let us take care of it. Give me more of my money. I will account for my own savings. Mm-hmm. I will teach my children to be responsible. And and part of the problem is, well, people won't do it if we don't do it for them. Well, nonsense. Then maybe well, it's nonsense. Number one, but number two. When you've created a system of dependence, they don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. When you force people to have to yeah, that's true. be responsible, when you say to them, "Listen, we're not taking care of you anymore. If mm-hmm. you don't, if you don't save up well, if you don't leave an inheritance for your children, if you don't account for when you're old, then you're 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 going to have to take care of yourself." Or here's another thing: How about we encourage people to have more kids younger, mm-hmm. so that they're not old and alone and have to, and forced to care for them because of tax dollars like the our government pushes dependency mm-hmm. they push a dad god state narrative yep. and they encourage people to not have kids and not have families and not take care of the elderly so they again here's another example they've mm-hmm. created a problem and their solution to the problem which is you be responsible here's more of your money have lots of kids don't murder them have a family to take care of you when you get older that's not their solution their solution is we'll take more of your money, which is just going to perpetuate the problem. Yeah, it just compounds the issues. Also, it should be of note, um, interesting in that Samuel text that you're talking about, when when the 
the Israelites are calling for a king. He's saying of all these terrible uh, ramifications, the implications of having a king like the other nations. Why does he pick 10%? That's not a coincidence. Essentially, he picks the tithing amount. So what he's saying essentially is the state's going to be lord themselves over you like God. They're going to extract from you what God takes. And the fact that our nations just universally, without a second thought, take far greater than what God would even require shows that they have a God complex themselves. And they're trying to manage the economy like that. It's worse than a God complex because at least the Lord says, even though I require it, it's still something that I I give will. you the fruit, yeah. right? I give you the resources. I give I yeah. you grow the crops because I grow them for you. Yeah. And now I'm telling you to give me a tenth of what you have. Yeah. The government is an even even more evil false god because they say before you even get it, we're going to take it off the top. Even God doesn't well, do that. Well, so so that's so that's a very important point because when it comes to EI and CPP, they actually can't. I think technically be considered taxes because what they are is they're just straight government stealing private property because like you taxes are something that the government has to collect from people. If you're taking it, if you're skimming it off the top of everybody's paycheck, you're just stealing their money right away. Like it's not even a tax tax because they don't even have to collect it. They're just literally saying, you have to do this or we're going to come after you. Um, And now they say it's for your benefit because we're a beneficent dictator and tyrant. But that's not the case. It's wicked. It's evil. And all these taxes, all five of them, Andrew, are coming at the time where we have record um, price inflation. Um, They caused it. They caused it because of monetary inflation and all their insane economic um, programs. And again, price inflation, because of reckless spending and reckless monetary policy, it's the most regressive of all taxes because it hurts those who are less wealthy because they can't afford to absorb the, you know, seven to 10% to 12 per some cases, 30, 40% increase on goods that they're having and experiencing, um, which is again, has led to more people being dependent on food banks on, on the state for handouts. It's just going to perpetuate the cycle until everything collapses in on itself. And that's the exact same thing that happens in every socialistic communistic society in human history. It cannot um, support itself because as uh, Margaret Thatcher once quipped, you know, socialism works until it runs out of other people's money to spend. And all these societies um, that are apparently, Apparently, social democracies are getting to that point where we're running out of other people's money to spend. We're completely insolvent. And some and, are there. France, yeah. Greece, there. Yeah, it's, and, it's, and it's I just want to say, again, from a biblical, from a biblical um, perspective, when it comes to economics, sin taxes, though they use the word sin that's biblical, um, they're totally unbiblical. They shouldn't exist. You shouldn't be uh, taxing alcohol and cigarettes in the way that the government does. That's insane. I think you have a moral responsibility to limit um, how you're using these things. Um, But that's not something the government should be involved in and should not tax at the rate that it does. Like 
alcohols and spirits in Canada are so crazy expensive, way more expensive than like anywhere else you'll go in the world. Like are Canada you is people need to start brewing their own beer and doing their own wine. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> well, maybe, <laughs> but, <laughs> but that, like the reformers. Yes. I, I, yeah. I, yeah. Oh, I'm, that's oh. a better idea. Better that yeah, because at least if you buy wine kits, you only pay the GST and the PST. Oh, yeah, you don't pay well, the additional alcohol tax. Yeah, on exactly. It. Well, I I do think people need to be more sustainable themselves. It's just insane though. Like the, these price, like, the prices are already insane, and the fact that they're increasing them is even more insane. And then like the carbon tax, it's not it's a punitive tax, right? Like our government is trying to punish people who are using carbon based fuels to get from point A to point B. That's all it is. It's except it's for a our prime minister who earlier this year his one his two weeks worth of flights, we covered this, the yeah. two week worth of flights he took were the same as one Honda Civic driving around the world 200 times. Yeah. And the amount of fossil fuels that he burned would be the equivalent of what 10 average Canadian families would use mm -hmm. in a year. So yeah. not for him though. He's fine. He gets away with it. Yeah, we have to pay the like. Tax. So this is this is mercantilism. Like our government is picking economic winners and losers. And they're 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 not putting tariffs on them, but they're taxing industries that they don't like for the sake of climate change and saving the world. That's how they justify it. And like you said, they're just going to kneecap. The fuel, the fuel and gas industry. The, I mean, the the oil and gas industry. That's what they're setting out to do. Everybody's like looking at this utopian projection. Sixty percent of people on electric cars by twenty thirty five. How are they going to get there? Well, the government's going to get there by putting a tax on everything. Because that's what a fuel tax is on all the shipping. Like every all costs across the entire economy go up when they put these carbon taxes up. And the nonsense that you get back more than you put in is total bunk. It's been mm -hmm. debunked a million times. Now they say it over and over again, but they point to the fact that people again, it's redistributive. It's socialistic. You know, if it's it's a bunch of people who aren't driving a lot are going to get more than they put into it. But a bunch of people who are probably more economically and laborly like productive um, are they're going to be punished by it. So, again, the mm. government is picking economic win winners and losers. They're trying to kneecap specific industries based on their ideological predilections. All this stuff is totally inappropriate. So it's amazing to me, Andrew. They can engage in Ponzi schemes, which are fraudulent and illegal, so long as <laughs> it, it buys them votes. <laughs> and so long as they say it's good and force everybody to partake in the Ponzi scheme. But when it comes to buying yeah. alcohol, when it comes to driving your car, they're going to punish you because, well, it's, you know, that's that's it, unrighteous. According there's to also that. so much irony. I mean, yeah. the, the fact that the amount of strip mining and the destruction of the environment that's required to purchase the precious metals and the materials to put together the batteries in electric cars it, first of all, is destroying the environment. Second of all, mm -hmm. these batteries are not recyclable. So when they're gone, they're gone in the dump. And third of all, I'll just mention this. I was watching uh, just a clip from the Joe Rogan podcast. He was interviewing an investigative journalist who has taken multiple trips to the Congo because the Congo has roughly 75% of all the world's cobalt deposits. Mm -hmm. And he was saying that when you look at the mines, which are supposed to be industrial mines, right? Not artisanal mines, so mm -hmm. people not digging by hand. He yeah. went to these mines and he saw that you had, you had people, some in flip-flops 
and even children like under the age of 18 digging cobalt by hand and the, this stuff is toxic to breathe in and he was basically saying it's slavery yeah. and so every electric car company they all because because you can't he said the the ethical cobalt from places like australia and other countries can't account for the production demands the supply demands and so he's basically saying the growth of the electric vehicle industry mm-hmm. is a pro environmental destruction and a pro-slavery industry, mm. it forces I it, think... and yet they would say it's a good thing when they're actually creating more slaves and destroying Andrew, the environment I think more. we're noticing a pattern that those who believe in command and control economics say one thing. They believe in mm-hmm. leprechaun and unicorn economics, everything. There is no trade-offs. You know, We can have everything under the sun. Um, they say th- they're they're going to do one thing. They're going to make the world a better place. But then what they, they actually do does the <laughs> exact the world, opposite. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, like we need to wake up and we need yeah. to understand these things and fight back against them and hold politicians in account. Mm-hmm. Because, listen, these politicians who are incapable of giving anybody in the country bad news in calling a spade a spade they're doing it to save their own hides those aren't public servants they're there to serve themselves to make a bunch of money to to make a life living in luxury and doing politics that's they're there to serve themselves civic servants have they've the the whole thing has been flipped up on its head on its ear it's disgusting and we need to hold these people in account and we need to get the i mean we need to get the government out of the economy mm-hmm. post haste but it's only good so it's going to only happen if we wake up and we hold yeah. politicians to account and and do it seriously and another thing is you know we're all this talk about money here, here comes a really good segue. All this talk about money. <laughs> it's always better when you is, say here comes a really good segue. Right. Too. The reality is it makes us think about being excellent and responsible with our money. Mm-hmm. And the truth is you can't – if you were – you know, if you're 30, 40 and you, or 50 and you were banking on CPP to save you someday, first of all, that, that ain't going to happen. Uh, second of all, no, it's our responsibility to be excellent with our money to steward what we have been given by God. And so thinking about money, thinking about your money and how you spend it and how you're excellent with it, as we outline these various taxes and what our federal government has in mind, the truth is economic prospects do appear rather bleak in our country. Inflation is at 40-year highs, and a government does not understand fiscal responsibility. That, that, I mean, if ever there were an understatement to be made, it would be that. So the question is, who can you trust to protect your financial future? Or who can you trust to help you make wise decisions regarding your financial future? You need to give my friends over at Rocklink Investment Partners a call. They don't follow the crowd. They think independently and invest prudently to protect your wealth from those who would seek to destroy it. Give them a call, 905-631-5462, or send them an email, info at rocklink.com. That's info at rocklink.com. Link is spelled L-I-N-C. I was just chatting with a friend over at Rocklink a number of weeks ago, just talking about what our family is doing and how they've been so grateful to see a number of family and people connected through LCC move their investments, open up tax-free savings account. Just, just you know, you don't want woke 
God-hating people who are ultimately in bed with the state to manage your money. You want people who who love the Lord, who love good stewardship, who want to protect mm -hmm. your money from statism, and who want you to be responsible with what God has given you. So that's why you need to you need to reach out to our friends at Rocklink. You will not regret that phone call. Mm -hmm. And people who listen a lot of what we've said jonathan and the team over there they understand these things they've been able to remove themselves from our current economic um, right. context yep. to apply biblical principles in investment investing so they're going to invest based off of immutable economic laws based off of proper understanding of economics and not just this weird evil game that's being played in the economy right now so there is more security in that um so i just want to just promote the fact that they they've had the foresight to be able to apply biblical principles to economics and there is a level of comfort in that if you're coming from that point of view that you're not just trying to like the monetary like the modern monetary theorists just understand the current game that's being playing and then try and rejig it to the best of um outcome to you uh no you have to stand on principle and this touches what we talked about with the jccf thing and that in that there is plenty of security and it's building your house on the rock on the solid ground and not on sinking sand so that is definitely what we want to promote uh with the economics from start to finish andrew our last story cue it up for us so our last story comes courtesy of the Hamilton Spectator and the person who wrote this article, which, I mean, if they're going to say it's journalism, I mean, that's saying this is journalism. It's billed as investigative journalism. Yeah, yeah. Okay? So, so saying so that this is investigative journalism would be the same as saying that WWE is Olympic caliber wrestling. Now, yeah. <laughs> I enjoy the entertainment for what it is. I was a big wrestling guy, especially in the 90s and early 2000s, back in the uh, the Attitude, Attitude Era. Attitude Era, yeah. I don't want to, if I get started now, go. I'm going to tear. Let's go. Thinking about, Let's thinking go. about Stone Cold with the beer truck and then <laughs> yeah. Kurt Angle with the milk truck. Anyways, I don't want to, I could go on, but 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 to say that this is investigative journalism is, I mean, is to say again that our government is being fiscally responsible. It's it's nonsense. So um, this story essentially is this, that the white supremacist, racist, alt-right, Christian nationalist freedom movement desires to advance its alt-right hateful agenda. And so in order to do that, what they need to do is they need to create a caricature of grooming and drag story hour and vaccine corruption and that, that we're dealing in lies and misinformation and disinformation to push our agenda. And we're creating a false narrative with regards to radical gender ideology, statism and tyranny and totalitarianism and medical corruption. And we're just creating narratives because we don't actually care about freedom. We don't care about children and we don't care about people. We care about advancing our hateful, racist, misogynistic, transphobic, blah, 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 blah agenda. So Matt, why don't you help kind of help us understand a little bit behind this article, 
how is it framed? Kind of get us into the particulars and then we can we can go back and forth with some important bits that we think our audience need to know. We've also linked an article. We've linked a, a link to this article as well. It's a cash aid version of the article in case you can't get behind the paywall. Yeah. So this is for you to read to see just this read this drivel. This it's it's nonsense, but yeah, and there's so it's a, actually it's a, a rather long article. Um uh, so we can't go into it in great detail for the sake of time, but I just want to point out some things that you see when you are going to be reading it. So you can just think critically as you're ingesting this drivel. <laughs> uh, so I want to start off by story framing um, and just, just right off the bat, uh, I, I'll read a little bit from it's inconsequential, but it'll just show you how the, this supposed investigative journalist um, really poisons the well of the discussion. Um, it was at a Boston pizza on a sunny day, December afternoon in Hamilton, where Canada's cultural and political divide came to life in stark and venomous terms. Inside, a brunch crowd cheered for drag performer Crystal Quartz, who stutter, strutted the aisles in a Tina Turner-inspired sparkling silver dress draped with ebony ruffle coat, lip-syncing to Gloria Gaynor's anthem, I Will Survive. But outside, in the Barton Street East restaurant's parking lot, there was no such mirth! I exaggerate, but... That is the tone that is trying to be set in in the article. The only right? thing missing was the purple hair, Matt. That's the only thing that was missing. Yeah. Yeah. So then he goes on to um, say, you know, protesters waved F Trudeau flags, which, you know, let's let's retire that flag. Enough of that. We, we can think of better slogans. Um, anyways, and yelled yeah, about a... Like Get, get rid of that flag and put up the Castro and the Trudeau flag. Yeah, yeah. Let's start I, waving that one that's around. That's hilarious. Or, I've seen, or the, the one the one. But they'll I just really say like. that's a conspiracy theory, even though well, it's one, more of a joke. The one I really that. like is where they, they split Trudeau's face in half, and half of his face is split with Castro, and the other half of his face is split with uh, Pierre Trudeau, and then they're like, you decide. There you <laughs> yeah. go. I think. Anyways, <laughs> but I think that's a better option than the F Trudeau flag. Yeah, if, well, if, if you're going to go with something inflammatory, go with that one. Yeah. Anyways, continue. anyways, um, but anyways, so I just wanted to point out. Um, so the F Trudeau flags as like, OK, I guarantee you the author of this article swears all the time. It's amazing to me that liberals get all hurt over profanities when it's used against them. But in everything they do. They want it to be sexually profane. They want it to be vulgar as far as the language is concerned. They love all those things. They like that's their whole thing. They they deride Christian culture for being but prudish. Matt, against swearing. I never, I never called anyone <laughs> names. Yeah, I never. That 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 that's the that's that's the highlight for our prime minister in twenty twenty two outright perjury and lying but that's that's their thing that we don't and let me i'll just say this quickly before you move on but what the left is really good at is projecting the very thing that they do upon their enemies upon their 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 adversaries or political opponents yeah and say they do it when in fact they do it yeah so they say we're racist they're the most racist yeah they say we're sexist they're the most sexist yeah and they this projected 
this is just sophistry, right? You're not coming from a principled stand. You're just using rhetoric to further an agenda. That's all that this is. It's sophistry. So he's butthurt, for lack of a better term, when when people he's ideologically against use the F word. But he would use it all the time in his daily life. He's not against the use of it. It's just politically expedient for him to to point it out so anyways i just wanted to point okay these evil people outside yelling screaming they're freaking out everybody's inside foaming at the mouth everybody else is having a good time so he uses grim doom (laughs) you know these are this is how he frames the article and it's from start to finish what is he trying to do clear these are the good guys these are the bad guys then he goes on to just engage in jamming throughout the article. And I mean, the, I can't even go through all the times that he does this. Um, but let's, let's try and bring out a couple of them. Um, so, um, he says, oh, okay. And the spectator has learned a network of white nationalists responsible for ongoing racist vandalism campaigns in Ontario cities have found common cause with, with the protesters. The LGBTQ community has long been tar- a target of neo-Nazis and white nationalists who regard them as a threat to their view of tradition. So they don't cite anything. So they, they say they learn something, which maybe they would cite some sort of argue, ar- article, some sort of statistic. They don't cite anything. It's he just, right? So what it, it, you have evil, no good, very bad protesters who are against the drag queen story hour. And what is he doing? He's juxtaposing them. He's putting them alongside white supremacists, not white nationalists. Um, that is that's the play guys that's what they're trying to do um and then he there's a bit of lazy history here he says all ages drag shows have been around for at least a decade without complaint or fanfare so he's like nobody had objection of these but it's not until um a fall controversy over an oakville high school teacher wearing women's clothing coordinated anti-drag protests uh, po- popped up over Ontario. That's not true. <laughs> There's been so many people who have been speaking out about this, well, for a decade, but also prior to what happened in October. Uh, mm-hmm. We've been one of them. Now, what what did the events at Oakville Trafalgar do? Well, they highlighted the fact that this, the ubiquitous nature of drag and of cross-dressing, of gender-bending, of all these things, it just highlighted the radical nature and that we're so willing to accept these ideologies from adults that we're we're willing to sacrifice this health and safety of students, of children, on behalf of this gender ideology. That's what it highlighted. So, of course, it woke a bunch of people up because literally, like, listen, listen to how he covers that. Um, A fall controversy erupted over an Oakville High School teacher wearing women's clothing. He doesn't mention the gigantic right. pro- like uh, prosthetic breasts. Like yeah, he doesn't he, say over an Oakville high school teacher wearing women's clothing. Yeah, to and to life flotation devices. Yeah, like, on like his, didn't mention that part. No, exactly. Like so, so it's he's so selective in his reporting. Like this guy is a, a hack, unbelievable hack. Anybody? Well, let's, well, let's. I want to. I want to jump off that. I'm glad okay. you said that because I want to jump okay. off that quickly. Yes, because this guy. 
is uh, is no stranger to this kind of reporting, and he's actually no stranger to us. Yes. What I mean by that? Well, for me, the best part of the article was when they actually mentioned by name Liberty Coalition Canada, and which is another Mike jamming Tyson, technique, right? right? So, and so this is this, so he talks about the yeah. the radical views, the radical anti LGBT transphobic views and he says this in his articles tries to link them with QAnon and pizzagate and wef conspiracies oh no (laughs) gets up the scatter gun of conspiracy you know this guy i'm sure money for this guy at some point is linked to somewhere to some sort of wef so so he he has all these evil people and then he says this his views again some radical pizzagater his views are echoed by mike Thiessen the founder of the influential evangelical political action group, the Liberty Coalition. So first of all, it's Liberty Coalition Canada, right? Yes. So at least at least get our title correct. I mean, second of all, that he, he's a really bad journalist. Right. Second of all, I'm glad he thinks we're influential. I think so too. So I'm glad he thinks we're influential. <laughs> that we're an evangelical political action group. That's also not entirely true i mean that the, the the cat anyways so he's wrong so he says this that sponsored so L, so lcc sponsored the anti anti-lockdown efforts and politicians in canada so this was my, what mike tweeted mike Thiessen tweeted cross-dressing men are wolves in women's clothing Thiessen posted on twitter on december male 19th. wolves it should have yeah. said and on december 29th Mike retweeted a post comparing drag to blackface, which is true. Appropriate. Dra- it, it, it is wim- it's and, women. And face. It, it's, it's women face. That's what it yeah. is. It's appropriating something that you are not to yourself. Now, he did not answer questions about this tweet. So when he w- when this guy, this this author reached out to Mike specifically about the what day he before do, he was putting the article up. And, and, and the response was, what do, how do I respond? Because obviously he's going to twist words as the whole yeah. article is a big twisting. I mean, but he's we not see it from the get-go. <laughs> so what are we going to say? So the first thing is, yeah, there was no response. But what we need to note is another reason why there was no response is because this same author has written egregious hit pieces and he has called out LCC by name in the past. And so the article that he links in this article which is the reason why anyone who is smart wouldn't respond to him and give him more fuel is another article we've linked. This is the title of the article from July, 2021 COVID-19 conspiracy theories are spreading online like a virus. By the way, all those theories have all been proven true. So <laughs> not, so he needs to go so back. Truth, and truth is spreading like a virus. It should have said, right? Because he needs yeah. to go back to that article and say, Oh, we know now that the jab doesn't stop infection or transmission. We know that it increases if he was honest issues. He right. But he's not so, honest. Right. So that's the article. Um, sorry, the title continues. An inside look at a dangerous misinformation movement that's spilling into the real world. Yeah. I.e., we told the truth about it. So this is what he um this is what he says in this article from July 2021. The declaration, he's speaking about the Niagara, Niagara Declaration. The declaration springboarded the formation of the Liberty Coalition. Again, that's wrong. It's the formation of Liberty Coalition Canada. You can't even get that basic fact right, you gargoyle. So he calls us a religious anti-lockdown group akin to politically active evangelical organizations in the United States. It's false. That's not who we are. 
we're not an anti-lockdown group. We are a pro-liberties and freedoms in Canada from a Christian perspective group. That's simple, but he doesn't care. And lockdowns um, violate <laughs> that. Among other so, things, yeah. yeah. Yeah, among other things, so, yeah. So he continues, Mike Thiessen, uh, a leader of the group and author of the declaration, said that while no more lockdowns and the coalition share goals, they are separate organizations. Okay, that's a fact. Mm -hmm. That is a fact. However, now listen to this. They have acted in concert for months. Oh, what does that mean? No more lockdowns. Join, you're going to love this. No more lockdowns. Join Twitter on January 12th, followed by the Liberty Coalition three days later. Whoa. The <laughs> so, so, so if I, so, so I joined Twitter three days after a KKK Grand Wizard joins Twitter. Yeah. That means I'm a KKK Grand Dragon Wizard too, right? Like just what? Because of the difference of three days, that's garbage. That's literally who, that's literally a logical this? fallacy. A yeah, after it, after it, that, it, therefore, because of this yeah, is yeah, is the logical post -hoc fallacy. Yeah, yeah. post hoc so, ergo propter hoc. That is the the fallacy. So <laughs> what an idiot! <laughs> less than a month after the first tweets by the organizations, both using hashtag No More Lockdowns. The coalition sponsored the end the lockdown caucus. Now, just because how many different people used hashtag no more lockdowns? Are they all working in concert with no more lockdowns? Of course not. No. And they sponsored the coalition sponsored the end the lockdown caucus, right? Which is separate from no more lockdowns. The end the mm -hmm. I, the no more lockdowns organization and movement, which has various chapters across the country, is distinct. It might partner together. But it is distinct from the end yeah. the lockdown caucus, well, and it's clearly distinct from Liberty Coalition Canada. I can tell you yeah. because I am clearly involved with Liberty Coalition Canada, yes. and I've also been involved with people who are part of the No More Lockdowns group in my city. And I can tell you these people are not on the same boards. No. The people who run No More Lockdowns are not on the board of LCC and vice versa. Yeah. So this correlation equals causation. It's this is jamming journalism. It's it's garbage. And so it's, it's jamming. And, and an I, I want like that. You can understand why Mike or us would say, yeah, don't even respond. We knew to it was going to be a hip. He, he is not going to he's not going to honestly <laughs> pearls. Communicate. Yeah, swine. Gonna, gonna honestly, say what's going <laughs> no. on. So, yeah, no. OK, I just want to highlight because you 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 glossed over it. And maybe for the sake of time, we shouldn't highlight it, but we have to touch on it because when he says his views are echoed by Mike Thiessen, he's talking about a guy he brings in earlier called Nico Hines. I don't even know the guy. Um, and he's like the ketchup he, guy. Uh, no, he doesn't even spell his name like that. I don't think Hines is with the Z or is it with it? I N E S. Anyways, um, he just talks about, um, he, he views all this from his particular Christian lens um, and it's all connected. Okay. And this is a paragraph that he writes about Nico Hines. He believes Dre Queens are a part of a satanic cult. Um, well, I mean, is it satanic to gender bend and androgyny? Is it linked to occultic practices? Absolutely. That's not hard to prove. Okay. Um, 
even Carl Jung understood that, okay? Um, he makes posters claiming the queen and even the pride flag are equivalent to the number 666, the number of the devil in some Christian mythology. So, A, he doesn't even understand where 666 is even referenced or how it plays into uh, the the uh, biblical theology or anything. Um, and these are the views that he says are echoed by Mike Thiessen. Right. I guarantee you, nobody believes the pride flag or um, drag queens are equivalent to the number 666. That is insane nonsense. And honestly... We you should maybe go, you should we go should purchase Antichrist in his ruined documentary because in that <laughs> yeah. documentary you'll understand yeah where you like, have Mike Tyson himself unpacking the nature of the beast and the mark of the beast and so you can hear from the lips of Mike Tyson himself yes. that he doesn't believe that kind of silliness yes so I mean that's that's approaching libel like in slant like that's just slander like that's that's horrible. This is terrible journalism. And then the entire time, I just wanted to point again, who are the experts? Oh, misinformation experts from, you know, from academia, you know, all these Orwellian experts. And then, oh, who are the experts? The anti-hate groups, the LGBTQ activist groups. So, again, this is what passes for apparently um, – investigative journalism no, to, over at the to, Hamilton Spectator. They should be ashamed of themselves. We need to talk about grooming a little bit, though. And the reason why is oh, he yes, says yeah. that we, what we're doing is that we are using grooming as a proxy that we don't, we don't, act, first of all, we, we, we define, it's an ill, it's ill-defined word. We don't, we don't define it properly and that we don't actually really care about children and we don't care about grooming, that it's just a cover for us to push our racist, radical, alt-right agenda. So he, he explicitly says that while we talk about grooming being a problem, mm -hmm. it's not really a problem. We're not using it the right way, and it's it's just a veneer for something else. And to that I so, say, okay, groomer. Yeah, we need, <laughs> we, need, we need to talk about grooming a little bit yeah. um, because what we need to say is unequivocally, Drag Story Hour is grooming children it is sexualizing children it is normalizing a kind of belief and activity which will not only lead to a kind of sexual lifestyle and practice in the future and will increase sexual proclivities in children it is clearly done in such a way and it will be destructive to children now and in the future mm -hmm. we believe that unapologetically about drag story hour and so while they would say oh but that's not grooming matt how would we respond to that well <clears throat> yeah i think they narrowly define grooming in a way that's not necessarily not necessary essentially they they this is what he says in his article grooming is a process during which a sexual predator has close access to a child and wins their confidence and compliance to break down resistance to abuse um but that requires personal contact with a child to be alone with a child. And that is not happening here. The, this is a quote from Slark, one of the supposed experts that he brings, brings up. But that's, that is narrowly defining grooming in a way that I think is inappropriate. You can sexually groom people, but you can also ideologically groom people. And grooming tends to take place on the mind level before it ever takes place 
through sexual activity or it's a long game. So while this might even be more of a long game when we're talking about normalizing, you know, this sort of, you know, subversive sexual behavior and, um, in culture, it's no less the process of grooming. It's grooming children into an ideology. It's desensitizing them to men dressed as women, gender bending, cross dressing, and they're dressed not in just normal attire that my wife would wear out. They're they're dressed in hypersexualized attire with makeup on that is is supposed to highlight and accentuate like accentuate their feminine sexy sexy side. I mean, look no further than what took place in Texas not too long ago where there there was this sort of all ages drag show happening in a strip club with a with a neon said sign that says it's not going to lick itself while drag queens are gyrating their their crotches in front of children's faces and taking payment for children. This is all grooming. It's all desensitizing and and normalizing this type of behavior. And I think what they would say in the article is, but that's not happening in drag story hour. And I would say, one, not yet. And two, you're right. So in order to make that an acceptable But this was an all-ages drag show. Right. But what what they would say is that's that kind of you know, strip dancing around the pool, drag stuff. That's not yeah. happening in the library. And I would say, right, because in order to get to the point where where people are okay with that, you or in order to get to the point, you have to start here. Yeah. So what they're doing yeah. is they're doing step one of grooming. So we actually have, um, I don't know if you want to read these out, Matt, we have a couple excerpts from a website. Uh, it's an Australian education website where they, in, in rather good, in rather detail, they talk about grooming, they define it. And what they'll say is, you know, at the end result of grooming is sexual activity with and sexualization of children, which I would say is the end result of what we're seeing here. So what's going on in the West culturally, all of these things, the end result of them is the normalization of pedophilia. The end result of this is, is children more sexually active and more sexually involved early on and it is the normalization and the acceptance of pedophilia. That's where this is going. And to everyone who says, oh, slippery slope, what are you talking about? Really? Like at this point, <laughs> you're really going to say that to us? You're not going to look at the last couple years and say that what went from what happens in the bedroom is private. We just want equal rights to cut off boys' penises and cut off girls' breasts. Really? You're going to say slippery slope at this point? Like get your head out of the sand, buddy. This yeah. is not a slippery slope. That's where this is going. It's the yeah, normalization and, and, of pedophilia. And yeah, I think over and over and over again, like w- just the basic presupposition that belies this arc, th- this article is that obviously drag queen story hour and drag queens in general are a good thing. And are so not anybody who's opposed to them yeah. is is necessarily a, a villain, and they're not sexual. They're they're not sexual by nature. Despite all evidence to the contrary, um, you have to come into this article with that working presupposition to ever get to this point. Um, I also wanted to know, uh, note that, you know, all these incidents of jamming, all these uh, things that are being trying to be attributed to um, various people and then to our organization they're just so lazy and so silly. Even even the fact when he's saying that um, this uh, Nico Hines guy believes these things, he's not quoting him. 
he's maybe he's paraphrasing, but maybe he's just making things up. Like this is an investigative journalism. This is a hit piece. This is drivel. This is nonsense. And the, the, the spec, the Hamilton spectator should be absolutely ashamed of themselves. They bring disrepute on their own paper, on their own organization by having idiots. And I use that term advisedly like Grant LaFleck, doing articles like this this is a shameful article and grant you know if apparently you follow us so if you want to come onto the program and have a discussion about these we'd love to talk to you man up you know don't just drop an email on mike a day before you're going to post a hit piece come on let's have a talk about vaccines about dre queen story hour let's talk about these things because i feel like you grant if you're not sitting behind your keyboard writing hit pieces like this, you're probably a shell of a man. So come on the program. We're calling you out. We're saying this is garbage. This is nonsense. It's, it's unbecoming of a journalist supposedly. Um, But yeah, I I think it's a disgusting article and it just shows you how ideologically motivated mainstream media is it's just it's it's crazy man um and all the definitions all the language all the framing of the story all the jamming the presupposition that none of this stuff is bad to begin with so anybody that would oppose it is evil white supremacist misogynist conspiracy theory all that stuff belies this article and it's just it's really it, it it gets me fired up, Andrew, because it, it's, it, it, it's, also, it's lies. It's also so silly, yeah. so silly to say that drag story hours are not piquing the interest and are not starting to awaken in kids a kind of reality or a sexualization that otherwise wouldn't. To say that these things are sexually neutral yeah. Right. Or, or 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 asexual is silly. Right. You even alluded to this. Like you look at the stuff that they're wearing. Right. Low cut in the front, designed to be flashy. Even the even the various makeup. The various makeup is designed. Or I was watching a really interesting little video clip of Jordan Peterson talking about sexualization and sexual advances in the workplace and using sex to advance in the workplace. And he made this comment about women wearing makeup, and his comment was red lips and blush are designed to mimic what happens physically during sexual activity, redness in the face, redness in the lips. And so the use of makeup is designed not just to maybe, you know, make it look softer around my eyes, but the use of makeup is to be provocative. It's to drive sexualization. And so the problem with this art, one of the big problems with this article is the belief that drag story hour isn't the beginning of sexualizing kids. He's like, that's not what's going on here. And I mean, to that we say, how could you not? That's just, that's ridiculous. But the Mm -hmm. second thing, clearly that's happening. So, right, we will grant him that according to his narrow definition of grooming, these men who are dressed as women are probably not doing what they're doing because they want to have sex with these kids. Fine. If that's how he defines grooming, fine. But that's not what that's not all here. These mm-hmm. men who are dressed as women doing drag drag story hour are normalizing or sexualizing in such a way that these kids 
will be thinking about sexual stuff, will be engaged in this stuff much earlier and in much more perverse ways. And want to emulate that, which we see. Right. Which and that's we see. why we're saying that's grooming. Yeah. So yeah. Like, like, like we, you literally can see underage drag performers dancing in strip clubs on stripper poles. How is that not sexualized? And how is that this type of behavior not incrementally normalizing that type of behavior? So, again, this is. It's this whole story is a just Republicans pounce, conservatives pounce, right? The left does something purposely regressive and and subversive, and then when anybody notices it, they freak out about people noticing it and they call them all sorts of names. And we have to stop feeling bad about that. We just have to call it out for what it is. Call Grant an idiot and say. Come defend your claims. Have an open debate. Be a man, Grant, if you even know what that is anymore. Like, come on, debate these things. Have an open conversation. Don't call names. Don't slander. Don't commit libel. Don't don't write hit pieces. Don't sit behind your computer getting a paycheck from the Hamilton Spectator and lob ideological grenades at people. You know, defend yourself, de- mm-hmm. defend your position. Let's talk about these things. And that, um, you know what? And that's, I want to say to our audience here as we wrap up the show, you won't get that here because you know what we do here at Liberty Coalition Canada on the dispatch? We attach our receipts, mm-hmm. right? Our show notes that Matt and I go through when we work through every show are full of quotes and original mm-hmm. sources and full of original documentation. And we include those in the notes when we post our videos and our shows as well. Is it we're, it, It's ironic that in a world where the legacy media has become activist journalists, that we are at, the people like us are the ones that are actually doing a kind of journalism and news analysis. We understand we're, we have a bias, but we're trying to be truthful and honest and as objective as we can, given our biases. But we're mm-hmm. open and upfront about our biases, and we still try to be honest with the information. So you're going to find that here in a way that you're not going to find that other places that we are going to and. We also want to say to you, and we want to we want to highlight, go to ChristianWeek.org. ChristianWeek.org. Um, I've 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 contributed an article about the you know the, the biblical response to the the Public Order Emergency Commission. We have some articles about surveillance state stuff in China. We have articles. We have an article about the Kirk Cameron story hour that was shut down so you can't have a wholesome family now yeah, you can't have a pastor was, reading a book in a library it did turn out he was able to read at a library so <laughs> go to christianweek.org because there you will find people that we're connected with who are contributing to good news journalism opinion pieces with lots of receipts with lots of objectivity because you'll find that here we're not going to be we're not going to we're not going to be guilty of this kind of slanderous, untrue misinformation like you'll find at these other places. We'll give you the receipts. We'll quote people in context. Um, you'll find that here. We're not We're not going to be like them, which is one of the reasons why you need to not only like and subscribe and share the video and comment and rate and download it and have it set to automatic downloads on your podcast catcher. So do all of that and share the shows. But also, it's one of the reasons why we would say, you know, please consider supporting us. Head over to libertycoalitioncanada.com slash donate. 
You can give specifically to the analysis shows. You get a charitable receipt for that. Or if you want to help fund our advocacy or legal aid initiatives, you can do that as well. We appreciate the support. Our supporters were generous this last year, uh, very kind to us. And so we want to continue doing more. And uh, in, in the weeks ahead, in, the, in this month of January, we are going to be unveiling some very, very wonderful plans we have coming in February for different things that we want to do, how we want to continue to grow and advance this organization and be for you in Canada what you're not going to find anywhere else, which is news analysis, which is journalism, which is opinion writing, which is critique, which is advocacy, which is legal work from a Christian biblical perspective, a conservative Christian perspective here in Canada. We want to be that few. We want to grow more and do more here at Liberty Coalition Canada. Absolutely. And it should be pointed out, you'll read it if you read the article. I would really suggest that everybody read the Spectator's article because we've gone to it in through it in detail. So you'll want to actually actually see what's going on here. But there's also a really disturbing and this is why we need to exist and continue to push back and continue to have your support. There's also a disturbing part to the article where um, essentially the activists that are being interviewed um, and the narrative that's being pointed forward by Grant LaFleck is that um, that these types of protests, police need to do more about them. These types of protests need to be pre-censored, pre-shut down in the Marcusean sense, right? That's repressive tolerance a la Herbert Marcuse, which we've talked about on, on the program before, all a part of his idea of liberating toler- tolerance. That is scary, and that's why we need to exist. Because listen, we've got them scared. We they're they're noticing what we're doing, and we're pushing back. And if we can stand on biblical principles, there's nothing that they can do to stop the truth of the gospel from going forth. Though they might try in all various ways, that light will shine, and it will shine regardless of their best efforts to stop it. So that's why we exist on the program. We thank you for tuning in to what was a major long first episode of the year. But again, there was a lot to go through. Uh, It's all very important stuff. So thank you for tuning in. And as we say at the end of every program, Galatians 5.1. Thanks for tuning in to Liberty Dispatch, a united front to restore liberty and justice in Canada. Please subscribe to our podcast and Rumble channel, as well as visit our website at www.LibertyCoalitionCanada.com.